Hello, HVAC listeners. We are back here for another episode of Tech Experts. So we are here again with John and James. Welcome, guys. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. So, um, you know, tell me about some recent calls. Has there been any good ones lately? Well, as a matter of fact, I had one earlier today. It was a southern gentleman. He said, man, I'm out here at the Waffle House, and this Emerson deal's giving me all kind of hell. Can you walk me through this? And I said, well, man, I, I'd like to, but I don't know what kind of Emerson deal you're working with. We ended up helping him out anyway. It was a building That's good. Here, That's good. Sometimes you got to dig a little deeper. Yeah, you got to go that extra mile. We should add a prompt. Emerson so deals. for Emerson deals, press yeah, press three. <laughs> if it's giving you all kind of hell, press stay three. Stay alive. Wait till it zeroed out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, that was a... Alrighty. So, so what are we here to talk about today? What is the topic of conversation today? Today's topic is going to be something that's near and dear to our hearts here at Emerson, which is the tandems and trios. Oh, Those exciting. are widely used. Probably more of them out there than I know about. We're trying to bleep out the tandem. <laughs> oh, yeah. We should point every time I say. Yeah. Well, tandems and trios are challenging for a number of reasons. They're often referred to as multiples. Right, whether they right. be used you know, in tandem or trios. So, but there's some subtleties that make them a little more difficult to find replacement parts for and whatnot. Just basically how they're connected and what is in that tandem or trio set. It just adds this whole other level of complexity. Yeah, it's a little trickier. So it's not our favorite subject on the service line. But, you know, the use of multiples has been around for quite a long time, all the way back to semi-hermetic days, which obviously a lot of folks still are using semi-hermetic compressors. But there were tandem semi-hermetic models used. A lot of reasons that these multiples are used is capacity control, mainly, is to be able to run a system other than at 100% capacity by either staging the, you know, these, these compressors in this little mini rack system, if you will, you could get an option where you could run the compressor other than 100% capacity. So what would be a good analogy of why somebody would want well, I'm glad you asked that, James. to stage compressors <laughs> that way? Well, in the, the old compressor operation service seminar that uh, Copeland has been doing for contractors for a number of years, the good example of like why someone would want capacity control would be a movie theater example. And that very quickly, ah. it's uh, it's a scenario where, you know, a movie comes out and a lot of people are anxious to see it. So they flood the movie theaters. The movie theater gets needs a lot of air conditioning to accommodate these giant crowds. And as the movie wanes in popularity, uh, the crowds get smaller and smaller, and the capacity of the air conditioning system is, doesn't require to be what it was when the, when the theater was full, obviously. So what this would result in is either the compressor, a single compressor situation cycling, where it's coming on and off and on and off, humidity's not being removed, the starting components are taking a lot of wear. By putting some kind of capacity control in, such as a tandem or trio, we could run that system other than 100% capacity and fit the load with capacity more accurately and more efficiently. That's a good analogy. It helps me understand that a lot better. You know, another in refrigeration systems, you know, you could see them possible for redundancy where, you know, I have a product here that's worth a lot of money, you know, maybe human heads or human hearts of some kind. And, you know, if you have a compressor go down, you automatically have, you know, some backup there. So I'm not sure if that's usable or not. 
But uh, anyway, so that's it's interesting the, because the history is almost like it, it came from the need of necessity for different capacity ranges. And it was before there was this option of two stage or variable speed or other technologies. Yes, absolutely. Right. That's exactly right. It was an early pass at capacity control where nowadays, you know, there's variable speed, there's digital, there's two stage, there's all types of ways of affecting, you know, the system. So going back to something you said earlier about the use of semi-hermetics, how far back does that go, the use of a semi-hermetic Well, handle? I actually looked at a bulletin before we started this. Because uh, when in doubt, listeners, go to the bulletin. Go to the bulletins, that's right. And this bulletin was from 1968, believe it or not. And this was the use I was of only a... in my 40s back then. <laughs> semi-hermetic tandems. Yeah, semi-hermetic tandems that were actually joined at the motor compartment. Not so much like the scroll compressor, you'll see they're actually joined with a we call a manifold, which would be a you know common discharge line and a common suction line, and there's some other lines that we'll talk about later. But these compressors on the semi-hermetic application were actually joined at their motor compartments with like a suction fitting that would connect How them both together. So yeah, there's something that I mean most service people would probably run the other way if they saw because they're, they're <laughs> you're not, not getting calls about that I hope, things yeah, in I, the forties. That's for sure. But they tend to as far as the models of the nomenclature, they would start by doubling the compressor model number that they're using in tandem. So if it was like a 9R or an MR compressors used in tandem, it'd be like an MM. But once again, these were all what they call even tandems. And that's a little bit of a discussion to get into as well. When we say compressors are even trios or even tandems, they're basically the same compressors. They're three or two of the same compressors connected Same together. capacity, same type of right. compressor, everything. More often than not, now you're running into uneven tandems, which you'll have a larger and a smaller capacity. Or you could get into some real crazy stuff like uh, digital tandems, where you have a, a digital compressor and a fixed capacity compressor in tandem. So you can cycle this digital up and down and only bang on the fixed capacity mm -hmm. compressors as you need them. They go into variable speed combinations, digital two-stage and fixed capacity. So there's just about any... I was going to say, it's yeah. almost like the possibilities are endless now at this point because you fast forward and yes. you've got different technology capacities with a single compressor, and then you throw those into a multiple It's like a situation. mad scientist putting compressors together. Yeah, <laughs> but they're very common to see now. Copeland doesn't manufacture refrigeration tandems and trio sets. They Typically what happens there is we build the compressors and sell them to our OEM customers and they can build them into their refrigeration systems in that configuration. However, air conditioning tandems are really available right from Copeland. So. Okay. Now that we fast forwarded and we've got all of these different types of combinations, what does nomenclature look like? How does it look like for the folks that are in the field that are trying to service the systems that have these tandems in them? Well, I said the nomenclature is like a normal scroll nomenclature. So this one digital tandem I'm looking here as an example, it's a Z-R-D-U. So that would be a, a Z in the world of Copeland is scroll. R means it's a 134A or R22 407C product. And that D-U would mean it would be a digital uneven tandem. So that would just okay. be an example. So this, you know, I'm watching everybody's eyes droop as we yeah. talk nomenclature. But <laughs> this that, is that's topic. where the answer to your question is, is in that uh, third and fourth digits. And the most common one you're going to see is a ZRT or a ZPT, which means that you have a, an even tandem. Mm -hmm. And if you don't see a ZRT or a ZPT, but you know you have two compressors in tandem and one's a ZR94, mm -hmm. if you multiply the 94 times two, then um, you would have your ZRT 
That's an interesting point, James. So is are there scenarios then where folks may not see the tandem nomenclature number? They correct. would just see the individual compressor yeah. numbers together. It's, it's easy not to see that because compressor number is going to be the easiest thing to see. Mm-hmm. So okay. if you're looking at an even tandem and you've got a ZR94 and you've got two of the same compressors and you want to know what replaces this tandem. So you take 94 times 2, which is 188, and you would have a ZRT 188. Mm-hmm. And that's what you could ask for as a replacement. Now, when you get into this platform, you do have the option of not changing both. However, we're going to touch on that here in just right. a little bit. Right. Just to finish that point off, if you have compressors in tandem and trio, you, you're going to have two different models and two different... I mean, you're going to have a... A tandem model and serial number. Yes. And you're going to have individual compressors with models. So, correct. But as far as applications go, generally speaking, multiples of tandem and trios follow the same application guidelines as the single compressors. You'll find tandem and trio information in the individual single compressor application bulletins. And we're going to list some of the actual uh, bulletins at the end here. But okay. there are a few highlights to that as far as special considerations for tandem and trios there'll be a different refrigerant charge limit so as you increase the amount of refrigerant you're using in these systems you'll basically get into a situation where we're going to recommend that you use crankcase heaters if you exceed the recommended refrigerant charge for that model and this said once again this, this was found in application engineering bulletins as far as the staging goes the starting and stopping them in different sequences. Um, there's really no preference from Emerson or Copeland on how they're started. The idea is, generally speaking, to start them separately so you don't have a large inrush issue. Current you know, causes light dimming and other stuff to happen. Oil levels are a very common question. And the only thing to kind of take from that is if you want to measure that oil level in the compressor with sight glasses when the compressor's off. It's very common to see when like compressors are cycling in these multiple setups that you would have different oil levels based on the compressors running or not. So checking the oil in the site class is the best way to do that when it is off. The last thing I'll go, and I'll let James talk a little bit about how these compressors are joined, is what's special about a tandem and trio is there's going to have to be some kind of way to equalize the suction pressure, suction gas pressure, and the oil between the compressors. And one of the complicated things is if I lose a compressor in a tandem or trio is how am I connecting it to these other compressors? And that's, on our end, that's what we have to try to find out to, to find a suitable replacement. So there's different manifolds that you will see out there that do that. Um, these manifolds aren't meant to support any weight of piping or anything. They're just meant to equalize the pressure between the compressors. And uh, like I said, there's some several ways that we do that. Yeah, a lot of the tandems that you see that are, let's say... Uh five to 10 horsepower. Those are going to share a common suction line and a common discharge line, but also those compressors are going to share an extra common suction, but it's just for gas equalization. It's not a header connection where you would connect your inch and three eighths suction line and your seven eighths discharge. Mm -hmm. It connects the low sides of the shells for gas equalization. And then at the bottom of that, of those two compressors, they will share an oil line. And this is, as John had mentioned earlier about the staging, you would stage them to come on one at a time to keep the lights from dimming and so on. So those lines help to keep the oil in each compressor so that they don't starve one another during run cycles or staging. So if you only need one compressor running, compressor A is not pulling all the oil out of compressor B, 
So they always have the same low side pressure on them and the oil level is designed to be balanced between the two. When you get into larger tandems, like the one I mentioned earlier, like a ZRT-188, so that would have a common suction header, common discharge header, and those would share a sight glass oil line, which is called a TPTL, two-phase, two-line. So it does both. So it actually connects the low side of the shell so that you have oil equalization and gas equalization all in the same pipe. In that pipe is also a sight glass so that you can monitor oil level when the unit is not in service. Absolutely. That's a good summary of that. And that the message there is, like we said before, this is where it's complicated when replacing compressors, how they're joined and how you're going to join the next one. And kind of leads into the discussion of when we're talking replacement, what is out there? What compressors can you replace? You know, do you have to replace a whole tandem? Do you have to replace individuals? We're going to provide some information at the end of the podcast that you can look at to have some good black and white on when this is done. But in a nutshell, when you're talking compressors that are seven and a half ton and under, they are not made on the factory assembly line, what we call tandem ready. They are only made to be used as single compressors. Therefore, they're not available uh, in the wholesale market, if you will. So if you fail a compressor in a tandem and that compressor is seven and a half ton or, or under, Copeland recommends that the entire tandem or trio set be replaced. When you get into the larger, over seven ton and above, since those compressors are manufactured what we call tandem ready, that means when they come off the assembly line, their tubing configuration is such that they could stand alone in the single compressor configuration, or they could be built into a tandem. That's when those compressors are specifically offered in the aftermarket. So you would have the option of actually replacing single compressors at that point. So when would you suggest, if they have the option to replace a single compressor, what is the ideal scenario that you would replace a single compressor versus replacing both both compressors or all of the compressors in the system? Well, if I could jump in first and say, first of all, it has to be available. So if you're dealing with a right. smaller compressor, you're just not going to be able to get it from Copeland. So you might, you, easy answer there. Right, it's an easy answer. For, now, again, that, you know, your OEMs might offer them. You might be able to get one from the OEM that bought it from us, but it's just not readily available through the wholesale chain, if you will. Okay. Now, even above that, when you do have the option to purchase a single compressor to be built in a tandem, you just got to realize that even though cleanup after any compressor failure in a system is, is super, super important, but when you're talking multiples, you know, it's, it's even more important. You've got a compressor sitting, you know, a good compressor that's, sitting next to a compressor that failed, sharing the same tubing and, and refrigerant. So all that, mm -hmm. all the contaminants, acid buildup, possible debris or whatever could be in that system is going to end up in that second compressor no matter what. Yeah. So system cleanup after a failure in a system with a multiple is, is just even more important. So, you know, obviously we would recommend you replace the tandem or trio set. Now, financially, that's not going to be an option for some customers. So... Um, it just stresses the importance of the cleanup even more. Yeah, and I know that this is something I was thinking about the other day when I was talking to a gentleman who was considering doing a single compressor replacement with the option. He had the option to buy a tandem-ready aftermarket compressor. That's what the customer wanted him to do because they didn't want to replace the entire tandem. So it necessarily wasn't up to 
this gentleman, he was, you know, what he did was dictated completely by the customer. You know, it's X amount of dollars for a tandem or it's X amount of dollars for a single compressor. And that's the way you go. And then you get into this where how important is system cleanup? Mm -hmm. You know, and like you stress, it's very, very important. But what kind of risk do you run of that compressor that's left? What it's been exposed to and the lifespan of it sure. moving forward. And I'm, I'm sure mm -hmm. strength service people, they, they, they yeah. know that. So, but. but I like the fact you stress that it's incredibly important, especially in that kind of a uh, multiple setup. Actually, just to sum it up, I wanted to share uh, some of the application bulletins that we were talking from that deal with tandem and trio setups. And like I said, this will be available after the podcast. But very quickly, there are AE Bulletins 4-1331, AE 4-1365, and AE 4-1303. It almost sounds like you're reading lottery numbers. Right. Yeah, hold your cards. <laughs> yeah, bingo. So. Um, the AE Bulletins are titled from the single compressors, but towards the end of the bulletins, you'll start to see more information about that tandem application. Um, you know, even tips on like how to change a single compressor, you know, tip the compressor back. The oil level is going to be, you know, very near to the suction line or, you know, the oil equalization line. Different tips and stuff. Like and you that. mentioned these bulletins actually will discuss charge limits. And when you get to a certain point where it is highly recommended to use a crankcase heater if your system charge exceeds a certain amount. Absolutely. And that, the idea behind that is you're trying to prevent the flooded start condition where you would have a compressor full of liquid and when it starts, okay. mm -hmm. and then you could do real damage to the compressor. So that's when you start seeing charge limits, even on singles. I mean, the three-phase charge limits are lower because the compressor just has more torque and it's, it's going to start mm -hmm. you know, flooded. So that's where the damage is. Single-phase compressors, typically you see those charge limits go a little higher. Uh, just, I think, generally speaking, that the motors tend to stall if they're severely flooded. So. But that's all the good information on tandems and trios. Awesome. So we'll have those listed for you listeners. You can also always look these up in Copa Mobile or on our online product information website as well, which we link to through our webpage where these are posted. So to wrap it up, what is the question of the week, guys? I was hoping you were going to ask. Ah! Good. So we put a lot of time and effort into this. John has. John has. Yeah. So we discussed James, briefly. James comes in and he sounds smart using oh, all the yeah. acronyms. Yeah, here it comes. <laughs> so, uh, listeners, uh, the question of the week is going to be related to what we briefly touched on in this podcast. What is the threshold in the compressor horsepower or compressor uh, capacity when you can replace a single compressor in a tandem or when you have to replace the entire tandem. So the question of the week would be that. If somebody has the answer, whether it be in horsepower or whether it be in tonnage, please let us know what the answer is and Lindsay will tell you what you're gonna win. You will win the grand prize of a genuine Copeland Scroll T-shirt. Wow. Copeland blue, you know? Oh, right on. I'm pretty sure every time we record, John wears his Copeland yeah, t-shirt. Right. This is a little above, actually. It's, it looks like Copeland t-shirt. Uh, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> listeners, you can find that on our website. If you're part of our email list, you can sign up for that, and you'll see it when we send out uh, the, the posting for this particular podcast as well. So with that, 
We'll wrap it up. Is that good, guys? That's good for me. That's good. You. Thanks, everybody. Be safe awesome. out there. Thank you for being on the show. And as always, you can follow us at ac-heatingconnect.com or on our Copeland Facebook, Twitter, and new LinkedIn page. So please check that out. All right. Till next time. <laughs>